Welcome to another episode of the B2B Copywriting Podcast. I am Mats Liljestam, the B2B Copywriter, and today we'll be talking about the eight-letter word that makes or breaks your copy. Now, before you start guessing what that word might be, I'll go through a quick list of the usual suspects, aka the words that this episode won't be about. So, the words like free, you, context, benefits, outcome, frameworks. Now, it's, it's, it's not about those, okay? So what is this episode actually about? Well, it's all about research and how to do it, why to do it, and what it actually means to do research. So first things first, let's start with uh, saying that probably the most important thing in all of copywriting is always to do your research first. Before you get a new assignment, new task, new product to sell, new promotion, you need to actually research both the product and your audience. Because that is what ultimately fills the sales page with arguments, ideas, hooks, all of this thing. And uh, what I've noticed myself is that a lot of um, copywriters think that after they get some this after they see some success in their writing, they start to think that, okay, they they have now become superstar copywriters. The the reason people buy is, is because of the words they put out on the screen. It's not like the research is just whatever, because they're so good at writing that they don't need to do research. No, no, no. They, they already have the frameworks. They already have the, the ideas and the hooks, and they can just reuse them. You know, this, this type of thinking is completely backwards. In every new assignment you get, you need to start with research. Okay. Let me say that again. You need to start with research before you write a single word, no matter the assignment. And research is not just uh, going through some Amazon reviews or just talking with the the client for a couple of uh, minutes on Zoom. It's way uh, it needs to be way more detailed than that this one of those uh, famous copywriters back in the day i think it was ogilvy or someone someone like that said that you need to have uh, seven times as much research than you actually use in your final copy your final sales copy final ad copy final final product or promotion that you give to your client or that you just put out yourself if if you don't have a client if you just write for your own company so let's talk examples here to make this a bit more make this a bit more clear so one good example is let's say something i've been doing a lot is uh, writing email copy there i'll admit when i started started doing that writing for clients i just thought that ah, you know i you know people are generally speaking the same i don't need to do that much research i'll just uh, start writing and doing my thing and just following the books and things will go well but the thing is copywriting is more about mirroring the the ideas and the notions and the worldviews of your audience as opposed to just 
writing persuasive copy, whatever that means. So, in other words, you can't uh, rely on past experiences in other markets selling to completely different uh, segments, different target audiences. And instead, you just need to get that primary data straight from the customer and from the new target market. So, when it comes to email, one great thing to do with email, especially in B2B, is that you can have your autoresponders, your welcome sequences, the flows. And in these, you can actually ask and set up a dialogue with people. You can do it just by asking them to reply, or you can just actually have a some kind of form through Typeform or Google Form, where you actually ask them very detailed questions about something about the problems they're facing or what they're looking forward to learning in this uh, newsletter or something like that. And the key is if you have this in a, in an automated sequence, you just continuously get more and better data from your actual target audience. And you can take this data straight and actually write emails based on those instead of just trying to guess you have good data that you've collected yourself that your target audience has given freely to you and they'll be happy to read about the stuff because that's what they want to hear about because they told you so. And that's um, usually step one to actually go out and talk with uh, talk with your customers. You can even go further and uh, say if you're your your client or you have a bit of a an established um, brand already and customers you can just go out and call them just call them and have like one question just where you just ask them what was the the primary reason for buying this what problem does it solve how is your life different now is it even different and you can even call you can even call people who haven't really decided yet because when it's all about them, people tend to relax a bit. When you're not there to sell, sell like completely every single second, it creates a different dynamic and helps people just put themselves at ease a bit with you. So that's uh, advice number two. Actually call people. I don't know that some people are scared of actually talking with other people as opposed to just looking at data. But that's also why this works so well, because it is. There is a bit of a bit of a bigger threshold to do this. And that's also why the data is so much better. Now, at this point, you've called your customers and you already have a sequence set in place for um, for gather- gathering more data. Now what you do is you do the, the usual stuff you go to. If you're selling a B2C or a D to Z type of direct-to-consumer type of thing, you can go and check the review sites. And you can also check both the review sites of um, your own company, but also competitors. And it's also a good idea to, if you happen to know other languages or someone in your company knows other languages, or you can just do use Google Translate, you just go to review sites on different uh, in different markets, different areas of the world. And that way you also get just a bigger bigger picture and better insights 
into what actually drives people. And even better, if you have a, a local business, say you're a roofer or you are a dentist's office or anything like this, the genius thing is that no matter if you're in, say, New Zealand or in Spain, the, the problems and the, the objections, the fears, they're fairly similar. But the beauty is you're not competing with uh, a dentist, obviously, in, uh, in New Zealand if you're in Madrid yourself. So what does this actually mean? It means that you can actually go around on Google, search for dentist office, and then just after that put the, what's it called, Wellington, if we're going to New Zealand. And then you can go, go through those top results and check like all the selling points they have make a list of them. This is actually something I did once. It was in Australia, the dentist office, and I just went through the whole world, going through and trying to figure out what are the other like really big selling points that, that people have. And actually did, got, did get some selling points from, from Manhattan in the US, where there were some, some companies who had some really innovative and really clever ideas and some really good sales copy. So basically just swipe that, put that all together into a package, and there you go. There you have something that's based on research, and that's also quite easy to do. It didn't take me long, maybe an hour, if even that. And then you already have all the stuff that you can write. Moreover, the thing to remember with research is that at this point it kind of depends on uh, what kind of brand you are, how story-based you make it, is there a single person that's really the face of the brand? But something that you can't do enough of is to gather direct data, direct insights from your target audience. So what most people do and talk about in podcasts like this is that you can go where they hang out, which is kind of obvious. So if there are Facebook groups, if there are LinkedIn groups, if there is any type of forum online you should really be there and you should really uh, have a google doc where you just copy paste all the best ideas because let's say if you're, if you're doing uh, if you're a b2b email copywriter and you need to send let's say three emails a week then instead of just guessing and talking and um, talking about your product and just uh, really selling it you can instead go go out there into the wild to these places that i talked about uh, all the social medias, and you can even uh, research competitors and even people or companies in completely different areas of the world and see what people are saying. Put, put that all into a Google Doc and there you have probably for, for each line you have one email. This way also because a lot of people usually talk about uh, emails and spam and they think that three three emails a week is too much or four is too much even one one a week is too much it's not really about it being too much or too little it's about not being relevant enough if i have to quote uh, to quote was gary halber one of the great copywriters if i have a, a bleeding neck okay very quite a visual idea here but if i have a ble bleeding neck then I'm going to want to have the solution for that. And let's say that solution is in an email. This is an interesting example. I know it doesn't make much sense, but still. 
you get the idea. If the thing, if the emails you write are valuable, entertaining, or just an interesting break from their reality, it's completely fine to write three times a day. And again, this should be based on research testing data. You can even in your um, in your welcome sequence, you can just keep segmenting by having in one of the emails. You can just ask them straight, how many times do you want want these emails? We can send them one, once a week. Or we can also send them three times a week. We recommend three times a week because of whatever. But if you want, you can do, do it once per week. That's also something that is um, a good way to nurture the relationship by constantly asking them and letting them decide how much do they want, when do they want, do they want to break. This is also something some people are doing or some companies is that they they ask uh, if they want to have a snooze button or if they just want to not receive any emails for uh, a week or two or a month then they can click that link and based on that link click they are segmented in the email software and uh, for one month they're not sent anything and you might think that this is a bad idea because you want to email a lot of course because you want to sell but the thing is, depending again on your on your actual brand and what you sell, usually it doesn't really matter when someone buys as long as they buy. And to quote another email copywriter, the as long as they're on your list and they don't unsubscribe, they will buy eventually. It might be in a week, in a month or in a year. But as long as they don't unsub, they will buy eventually. And that's kind of the, the mentality you need to have. But okay, now I'm, now I'm kind of moving into the email side of copywriting. Whereas this episode is more about research. So again, let's go back to what I've talked about in this episode. Research is what starts everything. Before you write a single word, you need to have seven times as much research as you're actually going to use. And that might sound like a lot, and it does, because it is a lot. And that's the whole point. In copywriting, you're not supposed to um, guess. You're not supposed to just get these creative ideas or moments of magic. I mean, that's not the way I see B2B copywriting. It needs to come from the customer, all the ideas. They might not say it straight, they might just be complaining about it on a forum, or they might just say it offhand in a review that this was really good, other competitors or the other companies, they don't do this. And the goal is to constantly keep getting more data and keep getting better insights so that you can create better content. One example that I'm doing this for this podcast is that in the show notes of this episode, at the end of the page, I have a slight, like a really small form where I'm basically asking, like, if there's anything that you'd want to ask me, is there anything uh, I forgot to talk about, any way I can make this better, just hit me with your comments. And that's a way to continuously nurture both the relationship, but also to create a better product, better content that helps more, that is more valuable, more entertaining and so on. I really think that's 
that's it for now for research. I mean, you could talk a lot about research and I actually have a blog post I wrote maybe a year ago about this. I'll add it to the show notes. It's about uh, the different ways to do research. I pretty much mentioned them already here, but I know there are some I forgot. But yeah, that's... um. If there's one thing for you to take away from this episode, it is that before you start writing, you need to research and you need to have seven times as much research than what you're actually going to use. Okay, so thank you again for um, tuning into this episode of the B2B Copywriting Podcast. As always, the show notes are over at nordiccopy.com forward slash 002 because this is the second episode. I am Mats Liljestrom, the B2B copywriter, and I'll see you next time.